I'm Jason Bailey-Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting, conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Today's guest is Jennifer LaFort. Jennifer and I met during a studio visit, and we go into that during the interview, and immediately uh, struck up conversations that I normally wouldn't have with someone until I'd met them like three or four times. She is a natural communicator and incredibly open and a very good artist. In the interview, we speak about Canadian art community and how it's broken up between cities or really not broken up. We also go into artist-run centers and alternative arts establishments, different funding models and opportunities created by artists within Canada, and how all of this contributes to there being a very diverse and rich arts community and a majority of the major cities throughout Canada, something I didn't even realize was taking place. One of the more interesting topics, though, during this whole conversation is about being a parent and being a parent while being an artist and the sacrifices that are made to actually make that happen. And women tend to sacrifice a bit more sometimes when it comes to this because they're sitting there with a child for eight months before it's even in the world for the father to have to deal with or walk away from. Very interesting conversation, interesting person, incredibly good artist, and someone I'm happy to now call a friend. So, here's Jennifer. Jennifer, yes. Wel- welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, you're my... Uh, I think you're my first Canadian. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't know if that's intimidating or exciting. It should be exciting. I have another Canadian coming on in a few weeks, but you are the first. Oh, good. Then I'm good. We met uh, through a studio visit here in town and you're visiting. You're from Ottawa. Yeah. Right now I'm from Ottawa. What does that mean? It means that I'm originally from Montreal. Oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) And I move around, but right now it's Ottawa. Okay. So go, uh, can you explain... While you're in LA for an extended period of time and what that is. Okay, so the important part is to understand that I'm here on a residency and I've been invited to do this residency by PEZ, which is a local experimental curatorial project run by two women, Chelsea McCarthy and Corinne Bernard. But the way that they connected with me is really organic and. Yeah, how did they find you? They were doing this project, one of their first projects. They do multiple things which is really interesting. I mean, it's essentially, it's an artist-run project, right? They were doing this big project last summer in New York, and it really was a curatorial experiment. They were inviting lots of artists to partake in this show, and they would change the show every single day, but like completely change the show. And That's, co- that's something super ambitious in what people really young do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they are very young, and I think they realized one day in how ambitious it actually was. Um, But they did a great job. And it was obviously putting into question uh, what is curating? How does the relationship between the work change the work? How much control does the curator have on the work itself? If I guess they flipped it upside down or what, what have you. So not every artist was in the show every single day, but they contacted me out of the blue. To be in that show. To be in the show. And I read this email and I'm thinking, who the heck? What is this? I know. Sometimes you get random emails from people and you're like, don't even, not with a 10 foot pole. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. 10 gold bars with that? No, thank you. (laughs) 
the Nigerian prince wants all of your work. Right, take it. (laughs) (laughs) No, so, so I immediately went into super, you know, artist mode. Is there travel involved? Uh, Do you have insurance? I didn't care who else was in the show, but I wanted to know about what was, what's this project and who are you and why are you contacting me? So we ended up speaking and we were super well organized, but I think I was one of the few people who asked so many questions, but I'm thinking borders, right? Sending this from where I live to where they were, not wanting it to, like, I could understand right away that it was an artist run project. And I understand that environment very well. And I love that environment, but I had to think about like, there's still value attached to this and, and who's creating it and what's happening. There's customs involved. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) depends how you ship it and why so anyhow we had those conversations and I found out that they knew about my work through a book that Corinne found I think in a used bookstore there was a monograph of my work that had been made in 2007 and she found that I I don't know what year she found it but she found it and then you know they looked me up and and had been thinking about it apparently obsessing over it, which is super nice because now that I know them, I think that's even funnier. Did you even know that book existed? Yeah, yeah. I knew that book existed. It was the first monograph that I I ever had done. So I said, sure, this is beyond flattering and I'll spend whatever money it takes because you guys have no money to ship it to you. And, you know, we rolled it up and they remounted it and they did a perfectly professional job. It was great. It was a painting. It is amazing the links that we will go as artists to people we actually like. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. It's so true, right? It's very true. If you like the project and you're really into the people, yeah, you'll go above and beyond. But if you hate them, it's like fuck off. Yeah, go. Oh, can I curse away. on this? Yeah, I absolutely. Think, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Sorry. You're totally. I put the little explicit thing next to the iTunes so that we're allowed to curse. All right, so I'll say it again. So you tell them fuck off when you're not interested. <laughs> and so I was interested, and that's how we started. And then one thing led to another. One of the women had a job at a gallery in town. Doesn't matter what gallery. And they needed someone for the show. And she was still so... Here in LA. In LA. In LA, exactly. And she was so appreciative of the work, which I really find extremely kind and From New York. Yeah. And working with you in New York. So they thought, like, it's a natural thing. In LA, we have this thing coming up. Come on over. Let's contact Jennifer. Let's see what can happen. So somehow, don't even ask. I get flown to LA for two and a half days. Really? Thanksgiving weekend. Not the best weekend to travel. And we start talking about this idea of having a show here in LA. Canadians... Um, it's not the same weekend. It's a different weekend. Thanksgiving is a completely different weekend and we don't go. Do you have Thanksgiving? Yeah. You do? We do. It's earlier. Like how or how much, like a different month or? Maybe. Sometimes I think it's in October and we don't care about it as much as you do. Football okay. has nothing to do with it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excuse to see family if you want to or you just okay. don't. So is it's it your Canadian Thanksgiving or our Thanksgiving? The American Thanksgiving. Oh, interesting. So, of course, I show up on a weekend when lots of things are closed. and you Yeah, know. you can't do anything. But I meet with that gallery. We have a nice conversation. And one thing leads to another. And I get really interested in Pez, in Corinne and Chelsea's project. And I'm like, you know, and they explain that they've had residents before. And I'm like, have you ever had anyone from outside? And they're like, no, it would be great to have like someone come in from outside. But we're like artists. Mean outside of the city? Outside of the city, even. Yeah, I think. So you're the first. International. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they're doing a fantastic job. They're doing a really great job. The reason that I think it remains so local, all the projects they were doing was either real elbow grease, like the New York thing, because they had ties to New York, or it was local, local LA, and they were helping out local artists in this residency or studio space that they have, and they would sort of host someone for a month, which is great, you know? 
they were like, yeah, we would love to do international and bigger. And, and I was like, you know, in Canada, we have something called Canada Council for the Arts. They support international residencies. So I'm here for this meeting with a gallery. But really, what comes of it is this really amazing relationship. And I'm like, look, I have a six-hour layover in Philadelphia. The deadline is tomorrow. For the Canadian Council. Yeah. And I said, why? I mean, are you guys inviting me? Is that what's happening? And they're like, yeah, we'd love to invite you, but we can't fund. So you're like, I will write this in my layover. Exactly. Wow. And meanwhile, I had an offer for an exhibition with this gallery. So in the proposal... Here in LA. Here in LA. So I write the proposal that I've, you know, and I have the confirmed invitations from the gallery for a show and prior to the show, a residency to make the work. Fantastic. So I get the damn grant, which is fantastic because they're not a dime a dozen. You still, I mean, you're competing with other really good artists because Canada has a ton, ton of really... And everybody wants to travel, get out of Canada. Of course. Right. But I got it, but the gallery fell through for one reason or another Pez was like, come, like, let's just do this and we'll figure out this exhibition. So the gallery, the gallery fell through even before you, you came out. Oh yeah. It you, fell through. The grant was um, obtained, but the gallery was no longer on board with the project. So we spoke about this a little bit the other night. To be specific about the grant, the grant was that you do the residency, but you need to have a show after the residency at some point in time in Los Angeles. Exactly. So, As a result of the residency. Right. So the, the issue becomes then that you don't have a show after the residency so they could pull the funding. Well, this is what Pez is doing now. So it's even more fantastic that they're a curatorial project because they're really interested in curating shows. They're really interested in everything that's like, it appears to me, that's community-related, how to help an artist from an artist-run point of view get things done. I had no idea. Well, and we'll explain that connection with me then too. Go ahead. I know Chelsea. Yeah. Because I gave a talk at Otis. Oh, there you go. And they're both from Otis, right? Yeah. So they were probably both in the audience at Otis when I gave the the talk, but this must have been a year and a half ago or or something. And I don't give many lectures. I don't get asked that often, but I loved it. It was really fantastic. And the relationship with the students that were in that class, I still hold today with many of them. They contact me. I do studio visits. We, We visit. I go to their shows and... I think they're a good bunch. You know how, you know, you've been like me to undergrad and grad school. Yeah. You get a good bunch or you don't. You do. That's absolutely true. And I think that was a really good bunch. It was a good year. It seems like it. Yeah. So Chelsea reached out to me and she said, hey, do you want to do a studio visit with Jennifer's visiting? And I said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. When I came into the studio, we had met once at Arturo Bandini. Yeah, you had a video screening. I did. Um, and you were there for that, but we, we talked briefly. But the, basically the first time we really met was in the studio. Yeah. My, my intent was not to have you on the show right away, too. <laughs> I was going to vet you to decide whether or not. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I did this with somebody else. They were like, you should have so-and-so. And I'm like, mm, no. why don't you hold off a little bit? I'll decide who I have on don't the show. Don't schedule my show for yeah, me. Yeah. Thank you. And then I walked in. I think it was maybe three minutes. And we, we I think you and I speak the same language. Yeah. We're very pragmatic about things. Yeah. Immediately, I think I told you I wanted to have you on the show right away because I didn't want to. We were having these really, this really rich conversation. I was like, can we not talk about that right now and hold it for <laughs> when you go? We talked about it anyway. It was good. Yeah, I was quite surprised. Yeah. Not that I'm usually mean or anything to anybody, but I was like, wow, I really get this guy. Yeah, it felt natural yeah. right away. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Chelsea. Thanks, Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyhow, hold on, hold on. So let me just you say. You to finish this. Okay. So I'm here through them and through the Canada Council, obviously. And it's gone amazingly well. The Canada Council won't be disappointed that the venue is changing, I'm pretty sure. Chelsea and Corinne are taking care of booking that, for lack of a better word, of, of scheduling that. But I've met so many great people. But that's why I'm in Los Angeles. You've had a lot of studio visits. I've had a lot of studio visits in a very short amount of time. How Many did, of which with artists, which has been really great. So this is a good question. And I had spoken to you about this, about where I wanted the direction of the, the interview to go a little bit, because I'm highly curious about Canada, because I feel like it is a, a foreign land that we don't know very much about. You guys know nothing. We, we <laughs> do. Have you found that out since oh you came God. here? You know, I've been telling. Uh, yeah. I'll okay. So it. this is, yeah. this is, but this is why. So I want you to inform us a little bit about what is going on and the difference in the regions. And we spoke a bit, you're from Ottawa, but like Ottawa is two hours from Montreal. Yeah. And then Toronto's on the other side of the country. No, it's not. Where, where the hell is it? See, this is why I'm giggling because you guys don't know our geography very well. I have well. no clue but what it, the geography you know, is. I'm going to edit that out, by the way. Okay, so Ottawa is two hours from Montreal. And then where the heck is Toronto? Okay, Toronto. So if you put Ottawa between Montreal and Toronto, Montreal is... Two hours east of Ottawa by car. No way. And oh, hold on. Now you've got me confused. Ottawa. Oh, it's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, see. I think Canadian can geography is just really confusing. No, it's not. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So Ottawa's in the middle. Toronto is four hours to the west. Montreal is two hours to the east. Okay. So what's on the other side of the country? Vancouver. Oh, there you go. Calgary. Vancouver. The Rockies. I don't think anybody thinks of Calgary. We always think of Vancouver. Yeah. Well, Calgary is in Alberta. And Vancouver and is in, a really, really expensive one. Vancouver is very expensive. Toronto is really expensive. We talked about this briefly the other night. In general, a lot of the, the larger cities are relatively expensive. Oh, yeah. And Montreal is getting up there, too. There's not very many large cities with the proximity to the border, correct? No. No. Well, first of all, most of the population, like there's... Canada is approximately one-tenth of the population of this country, right? One-tenth. Wow. Okay. So we were listening to Bernie Sanders earlier. Yeah, we were who watching the speech. There were, what, 47 million people living in poverty? There were 33 million Canadians in total, roughly. Yikes. So, like, the, I, I was joking earlier. I was exaggerating and being a bit catty when I was like, God, you guys know nothing. But that's not it. It's just, like, when there's you know, 330 million people all chanting one thing and making their popular culture about their country and they're very patriotic. It comes our way more so than if 33 million of us are direction. like, hey, come to Toronto. <laughs> hey, we're over here. Your TV's better, but we're over here. You know? Do you think our TV's better? You have more money to do everything. I don't know. You've got some good Canadian. There are some good Canadian shows. And a lot of the American shows film in Canada. Well, yeah. Because we can do a lot with very little budget-wise. <laughs> there's a lot of really talented people in Canada, and, and it's cheaper, and especially now. I don't know if this is still a thing, but when I was in uh, college, high school even, but college, whenever you'd go overseas to Europe, all the Canadians would make sure to wear the Canadian flag on their backpacks. To we just still know do. They do? <laughs> you st yeah. We are not American. Not we everyone Canadian. does it. Yeah, not everyone does it. I mean, if you're backpacking, you should you, do that. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's our patriotic, you know, thing to do. It is not patriotic. You're just saying you're not American. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> We're joking, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so art-wise, art 
Mm-hmm. Explain the difference. Montreal, Toronto, where, if there had to be an, an art sort of mecca in Canada, if you could say that, but where would the, the main group of artists be? You know, I think every city would argue it. Oh, really? Yeah. You think they're evenly dispersed a little bit? No, but having lived in, okay, Ottawa is not one of them. Ottawa, no. Ottawa is the capital of the country, right? So it's like Washington. I would bet that most Americans don't even know Ottawa is the capital. They would um, go from my time here. You would say they I'm don't correct. know that, but that's okay. Um, but I bet you they know who my prime minister is right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't care about the previous one, and nor should they have. So Ottawa is not an art mecca. That said, there are some really interesting go- things going on in Ottawa. So explain why you're there. Okay, so I'm a Montrealer. I'm born in and around Montreal, did much of my young adult life in Montreal. I'm still in my young adult life, but you know, my, my undergrad years were in Montreal. You fall in love, life changes. I was supposed to go to the UK to do my master's degree. I got in everywhere, you know. But you went to Toronto. I had no money. I had no money to pay the international really? student fees. Yeah. That's what sort oh, yeah. of drove it. That's all that drove it because I was my bags were packed. I was ready to go. And so, you know, I was an angry 20-something-year-old, and I was like, screw it, I'm moving to Toronto. You were know? you mid-20s, or what were you? Uh, 24. Okay. And so, with my partner, we moved to Toronto. He got a job there, and I was like, I'll just live here. And it's so many more people than Montreal. It's such a different... It? Yeah. Yeah, and at the time, what year was it? It was like 2001, two, right. you know? It was a very different kind of time. I mean, I moved to Toronto. It was the summer of the blackout. Try living in a really major city when there's a full-on blackout. Oh, I didn't know there was a blackout. It was a blackout, like in the whole Northeast no, Hemisphere. That's right. Remember, I forgot states all about it that. went all the way to Toronto. What was the cause? Power. I mean, it was some grid thing. Grid. It was a grid thing. But it was the whole grid. I forgot all about that. Oh yeah. So we had just moved there, and I had a, my like an office job to pay the bills, kind of thing. We're still figuring out studio. What am I going to do? Where am I going to do my MFA? Am I going to do it? And so that year we moved, it was West Nile was a big thing. <laughs> SARS was all over the place. Right. And of course I was like poor, so public transportation. So everyone was wearing gloves on the street car. Except for you. Yeah, no, I wore gloves. Too. I wore my sleeve Did over you my really? hand. Everyone was like grossed <laughs> out by everyone else. <laughs> and it was like the blackout. So that was my introduction to Toronto. But I ended up totally loving that city. We bought a little uh, shit box of a house. Oh, you did in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. Literally, like it's the size of this studio. It was a very small house. And uh, then the housing market in Toronto really started to explode. And even little tiny houses like ours. So you were able to make some money. We made some money. And for a bunch of circumstances, I had my first child while I lived in Toronto. A lot of things happened in Toronto for me that were important. Like I did my MFA. I won a few major awards while I was there. And Was this know. where you were the Plasquet? Yeah, the Plaskett Award, the Joseph Plaskett Award. Yeah, And that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. Not that I'm a big deal, but that award is really wonderful. Okay, so explain that award real quick before we go on to the other stuff. Okay, so the Joseph Plaskett Foundation Award. Joseph Plaskett is a Canadian artist who has not, well, he's passed away, but he did not live in Canada for very long. He had the opportunity as a young man to move to Europe, and he's a painter. And he moved, and it changed his career completely. So he had this fundamental belief that Canadians can't stay in Canada for things to really... You need to have other exposure. You need to go elsewhere. And for him, it was Europe. So it was 
you know, the award is $25,000. It's uh, privately funded. It's his foundation. This is not backed by a bank. They don't pay money to advertise in every art mag. They don't, you know, there isn't a lot of hoopla because he didn't want it to be. But he's like $25,000 to what they deem the best, you know, young painter based, you know, everyone submits. Huge, huge amount of people submit for the award. So I won it. In, and there's one a year. There's one a year. And I won it in 2005. And when my MFA was done in 2006, I packed up and I left. You were in the grad program when you applied? You are allowed to be in your final year of grad or a few years out of grad. Whoa. Because he wants you to still not really have life commitments. <laughs> you okay, know? so like at our age now, we wouldn't be allowed to apply. Well, actually, if you were just doing your grad, if your grad was over two years ago, you would but totally be allowed, which is happening more and more, right? You get older. People... But if you had not been out of grad and you'd just been like struggling as an artist... No, this one was destined for, for in-grad. I guess you have to put some grad. type of parameters on there. You know, there were. And so I won that and I went and I didn't know where I was going exactly. So I ended up going to Berlin and like everyone else. You did. In 2006, I was like, I'm staying. <laughs> right. Everybody was going crazy about Berlin. And in 2006, people were already going, it's changing so much, you know. And now I wouldn't probably recognize it. I just went last year. And? For the first time. And? great no yeah it's changing a heck i think of it was okay i i wasn't blown away i thought some of the galleries were pretty amazing they're good some were not so i went to some really amazing studios but i think the price point is completely changed it's completely changed and it didn't seem as lively as i thought it was going to seem right so much like it appears to me in this city in los angeles gentrification has taken over and places where people were like god why would you live in vetting you know a city that's way at the top of berlin like now, why it's would, like, now it's like you have to live there or further to afford it. Not right. No, people still lived in Mitte. Artists were still renting in Prenzlauerberg and Mitte when they went there, which is not, you can't do that now. You can't afford it at all. So um, I was there. I stayed in Paris, like I couch surfed with friends in Paris. for like How long were you over there? Paris, uh, almost two months. Okay. And then Berlin, I stayed. Your partner, you were still with somebody? He had a no? real job. So he was back in Toronto working. This is the person you're still with today? Yeah. What's his name? Brad. Okay, Brad. So Brad and I were together, but young couple, and it's like, sure, you go. We just have an apartment to take care of. It's not, you know, a big deal, and this right. is what you're... You got Wait, this. did you have a kid? Not yet. Okay. Not when I won this, no. So all this happened before children. So then I was in Berlin for many months, and then I went to London a little bit, and then I came back to Canada, went back to Berlin. I went back to Berlin <laughs> five times over a three-year period. Wow. I stretched that award as much as I possibly could. Good for you. Yeah, I, I asked them. I'm like, they were very flexible. I'm like, do I have to leave for 365 days? Or can I total oh, it up? Our part is part of the stipulation that oh, you, you gotta have go. to leave. You got to pick up and go. Wow. Yeah, it's like a forced residence. That is fantastic. That yeah, is so good. It's a fabulous award. It's a fabulous award. So, and at the time, it was very affordable. Fast forward to now, by the way, I chaired the award last year. You did? Yeah. I had, it had been that 10 years so and cool. they thought they invited me to chair the award. So I chaired the award in the jury and the applicants are not all very young. Some, that's why I'm saying more mature. They're taking time to do their MFA. They're very, very articulate and intelligent. And um, now it? the award amount is the same. And so they're no longer expecting artists to spend one year abroad. Be, on 25,000. No, they're very realistic. So they have six months. 
with okay. 25,000 yeah. or more if you can. I mean, yeah, if you can yeah, swing yeah. it, good. And there's a Petrie Award. It's another um, donation of $10,000 for the runner-up because the runner-up are usually pretty, I mean, as really good, good as. And it's an award that's based on merit. It's also do based on. Do they have to leave too or do they have to? Yep, but not expected to leave for months. as long. Eh, two, three months. Go do something. This is a great award. <laughs> it is fantastic. So was he a big artist? Is he in he, Canada other than the award? Is he known? I, I mean, I think he's in many, many collections in Europe. I don't think the United States are very I familiar with him. No. Figurative um, uh, and landscape good? painter. Yeah, very good painter. Yeah. Yeah, but of his generation. I mean, he just passed away and he was well into his 90s. Wow. And he lived in England still. So he made a good amount of money too. He what was doing a, fine. An amazing award. Okay. So... so <laughs> let's go. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go back into to what I was saying was like I was in Toronto. Yeah, I was in Toronto, won that award, traveled a great deal, came back to Toronto, had a baby, had a house, had a baby. Did you want to have kids? Not until like maybe the year before we had kids because right. I was so like, no, this is going to screw up in, everything. <laughs> by the way, I asked this. That's a rather personal question, but I don't uh, mind. I don't well, mind. and also my kids are in the house. Yeah. You saw my kids. We've already had these conversations, so yeah. it's not out of bounds. No. So you actively wanted to have kids, but right before you had your kids. Right before I had my kids. Like, yeah. Up until a certain point, I was like, I don't see how we can but, do because this. Because it does change how you deal oh with my, your work. Oh, my immensely. God. I wish someone was more honest with me. I really wish someone was Nobody more honest with me. Nobody talks about that at all. I hate it. I talk to everyone about it. Having kids is amazing. I really, really, everything about my children I love, and I love having them in the studio and working with me, and I do it on a regular basis, but I, it has changed my life so drastically and adjusted how I have to live and the money I spend and how I deal with stuff in the studio yeah. and the time I'm away, everything 110%. Everything. So, which leads me to this residency. So I had my first child. I have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> so before I had them, it was, a, it was a choice. It wasn't like a, oops. It was like, you know what? Yeah, I need, that's what we I need, We need to stop being afraid of this. If you don't do it, it's never going to happen. Right. And we had friends with whom I lived in Paris who lived in literally an apartment that was barely bigger than the studio. And you said it was 20 by 20. Yeah. And they had a kid. I had, so in New York City, I had, um, I had my son, Paul, and we were getting ready to have our second child, Edith, and we were in a railroad, and we literally emptied the closet for Paul's bedroom and moved everything on racks into our bedroom, and Paul was like in the closet with his bed, and for the second child, before we moved to LA, I didn't know I was going to move out here, uh, before the second child, before we moved out here, I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm just going to build a second bunk above Paul's bed in the closet. You get creative when you have So to. our newborn will go in there and it'll be totally fine. We'll be <laughs> a-okay. I mean, this room was probably five foot by five foot. And yeah. I was like, no, we'll just stack them on top of each yeah. other. My wife uh, was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Kids are resilient, but there's a limit, right? There's a limit. There's safety involved, you know. Oh, come on. <laughs> Um, but we saw these friends in Paris who did it and, and we love them dearly. And we're like, you know what? We need to stop being so chicken shit about this. And I think that's it. Yeah. And, and it's going to work, but no one was honest with me. Artist wise. No one was honest about how deeply it would impact. Did you have that many friends work. with kids though? I'm, I'm happy what? to say I have a lot of friends that are in different <laughs> generations of their life. And so I did have a fair enough that someone should have told you enough. <laughs> They should have told me the pregnancy is not the happiest thing for everyone. That's true. Yes. It's that, not that a Disney stinky, movie. This, no, it's not for everyone. That The stinky fumes in your studio will maybe make you literally ill. Oh, they I didn't even have. think about that. Oh, God. 
Yeah. Anyhow, so so we had the first babe in Toronto. Still trying to keep on track with your question. You're good. Why I'm in Ottawa. You're really good about this. Yeah. We had the first child, and we had been in Toronto at that point for close to seven years or so. It's a long time. Yeah. And the way we picked up and moved to Toronto is kind of how we picked up and moved to Ottawa. Circumstance, different job offer for uh, my husband. And three days prior to this job offer that was out of the blue. For him. Yeah. I said to him, Toronto's getting expensive. How are we going to have two kids? Because I was pregnant with the second. How are we going to have two kids babysat? How am I going to pay for my studio? How this, how that? And it was about, I mean, I'm very fortunate. It's a good partnership. It was like, how do we do this without me compromising absolutely everything? It's not because you have a salaried job. And, and he obviously was like, no, we need to figure, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to make this? And so then he got the job it? offer. And then this job offer comes up and it's in Ottawa, which as I said earlier, it's not in between Toronto, Montreal, but it's on the way back towards Montreal. Right. And we always and still have this really nostalgic, I feel like a Montrealer no matter what. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. I mean, I was educated in French. My life is half French, half English. There's okay. something about that. French Canadian. French Canadian. So what is the separation in Canada for the French Canadian section? Quebec is... Quebec, the province of Quebec. Is French Canadian. Is French Canadian. Which includes what cities? Uh, which includes Montreal, like major cities, Montreal, the city of Quebec, Quebec okay. City, which is picturesque. Yeah. And lots of other little cities in between. Montreal. But Montreal and Quebec are the big ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are the only big okay, ones so in Quebec. Okay, so did you speak French in school and stuff? Always, or? yeah. We were, I was, was raised first, bilingual. That's your first language? or No, English is my first language, but um, there's a lot of language laws in Quebec. What the heck does that mean? Uh, language laws means that, you know, Quebec has gone through referendums as well. Like the Brexit, we've had the Quebec exit kind of plan. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone through two of those. One of those was in my my, my voting lifetime for Quebec to detach from Canada. Oh, and so yes. You're like Texas. I forgot about that. Maybe. We don't have the power of Texas, but we do have other natural resources. Power. Texas doesn't have the power they that Texas oil. thinks they have. We have water. <laughs> Texas has oil. Quebec has water. Hydroelectricity um, and other things. Culture. Culture is big. In Quebec. Montreal and Quebec? In Quebec, yeah. Really? like there's, uh, Culturally, it's just different. It's not to say that the other provinces, which, by the way, there's Franco-Canadians, French-speaking Canadians all across the country. I have a brother who lives right. in Alberta, and his kids go to a French school. They're, it's not unheard of, but then they become no. very small communities, right? We know that as Americans that are... From the states, that that is a, a thing, but right, we, right. we're also highly aware of the Quebec being yeah. French Canadian yeah. as well. So the language laws to yes. get to that. So the reason I went to French school is because you have to go to French school unless your parents uh, did a number of years in English school, a specific number of years in English school before all these language rules came in. So any immigrant that hits that province has no choice but to go to French school. Wow. And then when I was in uh, grade school, there was this language law that came about, it's Bill 101, it's called, and um, everything in the public sphere that you can possibly see or read or that is from Quebec has to have a French component, and the French component has to be more dominant. The typo the has English. to be... Yeah, the not the typo. The font has to be larger by a certain percentage, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there were like... Mini language police. I had no idea. So yeah. what province produces the most money? What has the biggest economy? Ontario. Ontario does. Where Toronto is. Yeah. And Toronto is where you have the Toronto Stock Exchange. All the bank headquarters are there. Toronto's definitely a big money producer. Even though Vancouver is 
quite expensive to live. It's because Vancouver, um, somehow their real estate is just getting bought up like crazy. Today, I just read in Canadian news that uh, foreign purchasers of Vancouver, maybe it's all of that province, but I know for sure for the city of Vancouver, foreign purchasers of properties are going to have to pay a 15% surtax. Because what's been happening... The foreign people have been buying up all the real estate. Yep, it's driving it up. available for the locals. Not at all. Like, yeah. if you ever get to speak to a Vancouver artist, they can practically not be Vancouver artists. I've heard that recently. It's really, really sad. Okay, we anyway. were originally talking, so you ended up in Ottawa because it's So I ended up amazing. in Ottawa because there was a job opportunity. I thought being closer to family and old ties in Montreal would somehow help me raise my children. I was wrong. And I also figured at least there I can sustain my life as an artist i can probably have an affordable studio i can probably have affordable child care because in quebec i keep saying ottawa to you but really there's a i'm right on the border of ottawa and quebec right across the river quebec city or no it's called gatineau it's another city but it's all in the national capital region this is just too much geography for this show but the point is i say ottawa because it's an identifier that most people can can yeah. find on the map but if you cross the bridge like on foot, you're in Quebec. And so I'm on the Quebec side. Child care is more affordable. Housing's more affordable. My kids, you know, go to a French immersion school. That's fine. I, I want them to learn French, which was always a challenge if we grew if they grew up in another province. We moved there thinking so many things would possibly work better. I could potentially keep, you know, being an artist without us struggling so terribly much. The downside is it's not like a big art hub. But I'm very close to two really interesting art hubs. And you teach there? And I teach there. I teach a lot there. Is that how you make a living? Um, sometimes. It's still part-time, so you still are in competition, depending on yeah. who else is applying. But I make my living through grants and teaching combined and, and from the work and everything combined. I thought it was really interesting, too. Your husband's a police detective. Yeah. I find that interesting because I haven't ever met another artist who has a a partner who is a detective. No, he doesn't fit the bill. When we first met, so I was in my young 20s when we first met, and I was like pretty much every other young 20-year-old artist, so anti-establishment. How'd you get hooked up? Oh, my part-time job was his full-time job. We met at work. I worked at a call center for a phone company. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't a cop. I was so anti-everything that, that that stood for. And... He seemed nonetheless quite interested in that job. I'm like, well, why aren't you doing it? You're older than me. Why have you chosen to have this job? And he's like, oh, life circumstances. And I thought to myself after, no, I'm like, he's so intelligent. He's so not what I imagine that job is. Well, that's what we do, right? We project oh, our God, own ideas of what other people are. It's not an entirely wrong picture. Just like no, some artist stereotype. stereotypes are not wrong either sometimes. You know, it, like, they're stereotypes for a reason. They came out they of work something, that way. Yeah. right? So anyhow, I said, look, go ahead, apply. Because we were like sort of To committed. the police academy. Yeah, go for it. And he's like, oh, for many reasons, I can only apply, you know, in Ontario and then maybe Toronto. And I was like, yeah, whatever, do it. I'm going to England anyways, you know? <laughs> and so then England was a bust. And then he got that job in Toronto. So he was a cop in Toronto. And that was interesting. We went. I don't know if he'll continue with policing his whole life. Because as you know, there's a lot of things going on in policing right now. And I... But he is also, we had an in-depth conversation about this the other night, and he's progressive. He's extremely progressive. He's uh, extremely well-read, very articulate. He's interested in, he's interested 
quite often in women's causes, minority causes, and policy and how things actually work. He has a, in my opinion, because I don't have an understanding of law, he has a pretty good grasp on... Well, he's going to, is he going to school? Yeah, he's he's probably going to start his master's in law. This is remarkable. But not to be a lawyer, just because that's what he's interested in. So, I mean, I don't know if he'll stay in policing because I think at some point you sort of exhaust. He's not one to say, I need to be the boss. He's not an ego tripper. He doesn't want to be like the sergeant or whatever. The I can't even do hierarchy in those things. Never. Right. God, right. I can never get it right. <laughs> I can never get it right. Well, I think. But anyhow, the point is, no, I don't know an artist with a, a detective or cop boyfriend, husband, partner either. I don't think he fits that stereotype as much as I don't think I necessarily fit our stereotype. Right. And so it works. And the reason I brought up your husband is because you had such an interesting conversation about him the other night and it's obvious how much he has to do in your life and how you make the work you make. And I, th- I think it's just really important to sort of note those, those people. Yeah. Listen, it's, I mean, it's very straightforward. If I wasn't with someone that had a permanent job, which pays okay. There is no way in Toronto that I could have even continued a little bit. But also right? somebody who supports you. Of course it's support. Yeah, it's in not a way about money. that is like, no, no it's, it's not never about, about money. money. No, it's not about money. But the fact that he had a, or still has a stable, what's considered a stable employment. Really important. Is so important because, you know, you're trying to make your work. The person you're with doesn't have those discussions with you. We don't, talk about ideas like till midnight right i bounce ideas off of him he has really surprising and intelligent comments to make which come from a different place which is i find really which are really good oh yeah oh yeah but you know like i've been on this residency and i'm hanging out with nothing but artists who are all dating artists and i'm realizing that's a whole other conversation it's like you talk about it all the time you talk about it over breakfast you make jokes about it You, you know that's not my life but the unconditional support, like I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. No. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's talk a bit about, we had spoken about nonprofits. Oh, yeah. I'd love to talk about that. Okay, great. Well, then that's what we're going to talk about. Good. Nonprofits in Canada, you worked with one for one for a little bit. Yeah. They're wholly different than what happens in the States. That's my impression. Okay. And the impression that I have of them is they are taken a lot more seriously as well, too. They run like legitimate spaces and they're very well respected sometimes. Yeah. So can you explain? I can expand on that. Please. Some of it might echo what's happening here. It's possible. But the long and short of it is that artist-run centers, as they're called, throughout Canada, came to be in the 60s, 70s. You know, that's when they were really coming up. And it was meant to be an alternative to the establishment, an alternative for artists who didn't have commercial representation or an alternative for artists who still were not museum status. Right. Where else do they show? How do they show? You know? And so that's how they were born out of that necessity that artists wanted to help artists have other opportunities than these very, you know. Which you see pop up all the time. Right. But it really took on. (laughs) It really took on. In Canada right now, there's approximately uh, 120, 130 artist-run centers. There are about 60 to 70 of them that are in Quebec alone. Holy moly. Yeah. And they go everywhere from super grassroots to fairly new to extremely long-living established, some that are almost 
establishments, so which sometimes gets critiqued as well. Name a few of them. Well, I worked at one called Axe Neoset, which we call Axe for short. And, and set is? Set is seven. Seven in so, French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just over 30 years old. And it's a beautiful space. The the um, Do they own the space? Yep. Oh, they're so clever. Oh, it was so clever how it happened. They got it from the city. It was this building that was, you know, derelict. I mean, they used to have derelict buildings. But in 2002, they finally acquired for a dollar a building on the promise that the city would sort of pay its own mortgage. I mean, it's this huge wow. mixed up thing of this building that was collapsing. It's like, but we'll take care of it. And anyhow, so it was like this because long. It's a lot of money for infrastructure. and. Oh, God, yeah. But it's an old factory. It's an old uh, hosiery. So we used huge. to make socks there, socks for the war. You know the gray socks yeah. with the white and red lines on top, those super classic yeah. Canadian, that's what was made there. So that's the building. So it's a converted, you know, it was a converted factory, which is really, really beautiful. But before that, they had other kinds of spaces that were also derelict buildings. And But that location is in the city that I live in now, which is not like a major metropolis. And because of that, real estate was available. That in Canada, I have found over and over again, that not being in a major city has absolutely no bearing on the quality of artists throughout the country, on the intellectual uh, rigor of the artists in any given community. And I firmly, firmly believe that it has a lot to do with how wide reaching the artist run center network is. There's even uh, this organization called CARFAC, C-A-R-F-A-C, it's half English, half French, that regulates what artist run centers should pay artists when they show. So we pay artists to have a show. Unlike here, for the most part. Right. But this is like a long time coming. This is like many years of organizing, and that's what's occurred. So Axneo set where I worked in Gatineau is a fantastic one. Across the way in Ottawa, there's one called Saw Gallery, S-A-W. In Montreal, there's a ton, right? Optica, uh, Articule, uh, Clark is fantastic. Uh, Dazibao, Darling. I mean, there's so many of them. There's one so of the many. interesting things you mentioned the other night, too, this is not just for Canadian artists to show there either. No, no. There's an entire repertoire. So if people go to that Carfac website or if they go to RCAAQ website, which is in Quebec, although it's French, you can probably figure it out. Look for the submissions page. Um, you can submit as an artist from elsewhere. Now, the budget, I mean, these are publicly funded organizations, right? So they're getting... Canada Council funding, they're applying for it and hopefully getting it if they apply it correctly. And if their programming, you know, respects their mandate, if their board is if on they're top smart of it. About it's it. very, these are organized structures. Everyone's got a board. And the few artist-run centers that don't manage very well is because their board is all willy-nilly. Um, the previous generation of directors and administrators, which are all artists, might not have passed down their knowledge and how to manage a place to the newer generation. Like something got untied at some point. But generally speaking, it's, it's very clearly understood that these are places for opportunity, for experimentation, for dialogue. The biggest artists in Canada, I had a show here. I, this maybe doesn't make me look that good, but it doesn't matter. My first artist-run show, I was very young and wasn't too sure what I was doing, perhaps. I was doing a duo show with someone. It was experimental, but that was the point. The show immediately before ours at the same artist-run center was David Altman, who's a really huge artist who lives in New York. Yeah, he's incredibly big. Right. Brian Jungen, another major Canadian artist, often in artist-run centers. Uh, Janet Cardiff, artist-run centers. Uh, Ed Pien, who's amazing. Uh, Etienne Zach has done artist-run centers. Everyone in one way or another has had a context. So if you haven't shown in one, you've certainly 
volunteered at one, been on the board at one, worked at one, attended one in your community often. It's part of the the fabric. Of the artist community within Canada. Yeah. So, for example, Winnipeg, which is in Manitoba. So you have Quebec, and next to it's Ontario. Do you, do you see the question mark on my face? Yeah, That's why you're explaining. And then it's Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> I do see it. This goddamn Canadian geography. So one, one would maybe say, <laughs> it's a beautiful country. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is Winnipeg, which is a city that's definitely not a financial hub, definitely for a very long time not an art hub, had a really strong artist-run network. And it was very grassroots, very you know local and strong and... Well, they have an institute in, uh, of contemporary art called Plugin now, which is really well-renowned. But it comes out of, you know, the artists not not giving up on the fact that their city is not like a metropolis that's that significant throughout the country. So you have these little blow-up totally. artist communities that are just making it happen. Lots in Quebec. Lots of them in Quebec. But you also have sponsorship through government and right, through so, funding. So every artist-run center in the whole country must be funded but first of all they're all non-profits you have to be a non-profit right do they're, they sell any work out of them ever no non you cannot you can't sell nope. any work to go back into the kitty nope. for you the can have fundraisers fundraisers okay uh auctions of any type uh, whatever artists, artists could sell out of the studio oh i could if i wanted to sure but it's that's my, what i mean it's my income tax to manage but that has nothing to it do it has with nothing the, to do with the space but right. you essentially if you're going to sell anything it comes out of your own studio right right oh i see what you're saying so if i have a show at yes. an artist-run center, and someone wants the work, how does it work? It comes out of your studio. It doesn't come out yeah. of the center. Yeah. And often, should that occur, um, artists will make a donation, potentially, to the artist-run. They should. They should, I think. But I don't think it happens that often. No, that they sell stuff out of their artist-run show. Gotcha. The shows that get produced, you know, the artist gets paid, the shipping usually gets paid, the employees get paid, all because it's funded by the Canada Council and the Provincial Council. So if it's in Quebec, it's Quebec. Art what, Council. Provincial being the province. Province, yeah. So if it's Ontario, it's the Ontario Arts Council, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have two governing bodies that So who has the final say? In the, the province or the, the government? No one has the final say. You make an application, which is extremely lengthy and detailed. And, and it goes to both places? And you send two out, one to your province, one to the federal. And either one could deny or oh, accept? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If so you, you don't, could get provincial, but you might not get the government. Yeah, but if you start losing one or the other, it's very hard to, to survive. I think the newer artist runs often have very experienced people behind them. You know, we don't have a market the way the United States can have a market for art. So we, I think, I mean, this is my theory, but we've built over time these models, right? These funding models and ways of offering opportunity because... By sheer numbers, we don't have the same amount of collectors. We don't have the same amount of buyers. We don't have the same amount of museums that will acquire, you know, or, or corporate collections. I mean, there are many, but it's just the math is not there the way it is in the United States. And so I think over time, we've, and our economy has been different and our dollars has different value than yours. And so over time, I think that's why these public funding models have become so strong and also because they've done amazing things. I mean, look, that's why I'm here right now. Right. Is that funding model. But the artist run is based on that and you really have to account for every penny. I mean, I worked in that one for five years and you do everything and you do it really well. This was something you mentioned the other night as well, that a lot of those institutions have a thing where people transfer out. It is not a, a, a not thing. a lifetime job. It's not a lifetime job, but it's important to the institution that it's not a lifetime job. So they get new blood in. Yeah. Yeah, constantly. 
I mean, some people are in and out rather quickly, but I think to have one to learn, two to contribute, and three to sort of really be part of something meaningful for you and the center, the artist run center. Right. It seems to me that five years is, is a good time, 10 years tops. After that, it's sort of like it becomes your permanent job. And through the cracks, you kind of hear echoes of people saying, it becomes well, a little bit stagnant. Well, like, why is so-and-so still there? Like, you know, leave the place for the new. It's an idea. The ideology behind it is, is leaving it for somebody else to inherit. In and French, you say la relève, the, the ones that la relève, levé is to lift, right? La relève, the next ones that'll lift you up, right? So it's not just saying the emerging artists, but it's it's also more than that. La relève are the ones who will pick it up and carry it forward more. Right. So Quebec, that was very poetic that way. So you leave it for la relève, who have to put their own stamp on it. The next generation. Who have to, who necessarily have another opinion, you know? Even if everyone's on top of everything all the time, they have a different way of doing it. And that passing down of knowledge is difficult. You know, that's quite the process. How do you run? It's basically running a business. How do you do that? You, but you it, can't possibly pass on all the information, but you hope that you transfer enough that the next person can... Right, and they learn from their mistakes. Like Axneo Set, the director that I worked with, he's moved on. He's a museum director. He's a contemporary art museum director, which, you know, when we worked together, that wasn't on his... Radar. No, um, but he's more than capable and i'm doing what i'm doing i'm traveling and things You're are very going successful well. by the way well you know it's it's relative it's relative it's, it's all relative but i think before we go we haven't talked at all about your your work at all yeah you're an accomplished painter we talked a little bit about the award the award you won but i thought we weren't going to talk about me okay we generally <laughs> we generally i try not to generally but you're a very good painter thank you surprised when i came into the studio not because I hadn't researched you and figured out who you were before I walked into the space, but the the paintings are moving. They're very good. Thank you. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is the amount of time that you've been here and the amount of paintings and the stuff that you've produced. Yeah, I think that has to do with um, cherishing time so much since children. You know, we were talking because about Because you're that. alone, yes. I have not been alone in, I mean, my eldest is going to be eight. Has it been eight years? Yeah. I haven't been like... Without an extra limb, you know? Well, they're always present, which right. is great. In one way or another. But in one way or it another. changes how you produce. I, you just ramped up and made some amazing work in the amount of time you've been here. Thanks. But I came prepared. Like, I knew this was coming. I was, you know, you don't come with, your brain's not empty when you show up. You're well, thinking you were, of things, right? you were incredibly pragmatic. You are more, more than most artists. You are thinking further into the future. Um, maybe it's the kids. Maybe you have to. I don't I think know. think a bit. I think maybe a little bit. Right. Maybe it's just me. But the thing about being here and being alone is I haven't had the luxury of having my own brain space this much in a long time. So that means I'm not worrying about, I didn't even eat some days that much because I just sort of Did didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't have to worry about food. I didn't have to worry about mortgage. I didn't have to think about alarm clocks or right. or did, didn't matter if I worked 10, 12 hours in a row at the studio. It didn't matter. There was no stop time. So all day long, in one format or another, the ideas were going, you know, problems, solutions, I, you know, new things. And so every minute in the studio, to me, was kind of amplified because the, I never stopped in this strange way, whereas in real life... <laughs> you not, have to take a pause. You, you, you know, not everything's about you, but here everything was about me and my studio. So I did make a lot of work 
in a short amount of time, but I did work a hell of a lot. It shows. In hours and in, in brain time and thinking and, and it shows. resolving. Well, yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, yes, I did do a lot, but that's, I can work quickly at home as well, but I also need a really particular headspace to do that, a very strict schedule to get that accomplished, you know? But it couldn't possibly be the same. I don't have the same time. No. No. Jennifer, thank you for being on the show. Thanks. I could talk a lot. Could you tell? We can keep going. <laughs> we could. We could go on for hours. But I, I love this. I really, really enjoy it. You've been one of the easiest guests to have a conversation with. And I think I knew that right away when I walked into the studio. We just, we hit it off. We, okay. So next time we have to do this. We have to talk what about, we could talk about uh, artists and politics and how much I've learned living in Ottawa in the National Capital of Canada about First Nations artists, which I think you guys still call American Indians or Indians. Oh my God, that'd be great. Oh, it's really, I mean, and I'm not an expert, but I have learned so much and there has been, there's a big push right now to really acknowledge. I will take you up on that. That is it's, fantastic. Listen, I'll, I'll make sure that I have my facts straight and there's a bunch of people that I could put you in touch with who are encyclopedias. I would love that. We should do that. And oh, I should yeah. have some First Nation artists on. That's a real important subject at home right now. It's getting a lot of attention, not nearly as much as it probably deserves. But anyhow, there's so many things. We could talk. Canada is a fantastic I'm place. coming to Montreal next month. Oh, okay. For sure. I've already you booked are? the flight. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. When are you going to be there? We will talk about it after okay, the show. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, thank you for being on. Thank you so much for asking. Really lovely. The work is amazing. And we'll talk shortly. We 